right, I, uh, I need some help this morning uh, with the sermon. You don't have to speak or anything like that. I just need someone to help me break the piano. Uh, no, just, just kidding, sorry. Uh, just need somebody to help me pass these out. I- any, anybody, it can be anybody. Really, it can. There we go. All right, people running from all angles. There we go. Just make sure everybody gets some of these. Somebody else. Braden, come help me. There you go. Good job. Thank you for volunteering. Appreciate that. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you. All right, we got these coming out. Okay. Yeah, sure. There you go. Tim, we'll make sure. Just make sure everybody gets an index card this morning and um, social security number, signatures, we have something to go by, anything like that. No. I want you to, while, while those are being passed out, um, I'll need you all to help me again in just a minute, okay? But you can, you can sit down, but uh, we'll need you to help me again to collect them in a moment. So go ahead, find yourself a pen or a pencil, something like that, and um, I, I want you to help me with something this morning just to get our minds focused uh, on what we're talking about this morning. We're We're going to conclude this morning our little series of messages that we've taken from the Lord's Prayer. Looking at the Lord's Prayer, we've had five messages that we have taken from these verses, trying to kind of unpack the meaning of these verses that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, as, as you've gotten these index cards, you can be very, very secretive and um, you, you can, you know, kind of put them down and put your hand around it so nobody can see what you're writing. Because the, the text that we have this morning is the very last phrase from the Lord's Prayer. And let me read just this phrase to you. And lead us not into temptation. So you know where this is going probably. What you do, don't put your name on this index card, okay? Unless you want to, and you need help. And then put your name, and we'll get in touch with you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the things that are temptations to you. Might be one, might be two, might be ten, I don't know. But I want you to write down your temptations. That's why I say you can do it secretive because we're private people. We don't don't want anybody to know what we struggle with. Really, we don't want anybody to know what we struggle with because we're prideful and we're arrogant. And we think everybody else has life together, and I don't. And if I write mine down, people are going to figure out that I don't have life together. So I want you to just to write down what your temptation is. You can fold it over real good. And then those of you that helped, I want you to help me again. I, I've got some bags here. This, uh, listen, I'm help, we're making this as anonymous as possible for you, okay? There's no shame here. What I want you to do is I want you to focus your attention, and I want you to focus your mind on the things that are a temptation for you. Because if we're praying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, it would probably be a good idea for us to know and understand what those temptations are that we face. 
and let's just be real. If we, if we aren't going to admit them to each other, let's at least just go ahead and admit them to ourselves and admit them to God that these are our temptations. So I've got these bags. They, they will unfold. So come help me again, if you would, those of you that are through writing, if you can. Just, uh, just open up some of those bags and just pass them around. And when a bag comes to you, just, uh, just uh, all right, good, okay, thank you anyway, there we go. Uh, when, when a bag comes to you, just drop your index card down in there. Don't be pulling cards out to read others, okay? This is what people do with sermons when they're preached. They say, I hope oh so-and-so was listening to this this morning. Let's never make the mistake of doing that. Let's instead err on the side of saying, I hope I was listening this morning to what God had to say in His Word. So just drop them down in there, and then uh, when, when you all get the bags filled up, just bring them back up here. You can just set them down here, okay? We're not doing handwriting analysis on this to track you down and to see what it is, Okay? We're not trying to figure out what it is that your temptation is. We're just trying to get all of us to understand and to recognize that we face temptations. That we deal with temptations in our life. So don't forget the balcony. They're feeling all alone up there. They've got their temptations listed and need a bag to drop them in. So don't forget them. All right, as we've, as we've looked at the Lord's Prayer, go ahead and keep dropping them in. You're not going to interrupt anything. We'll, we'll, just, we'll carry on until we get all of these together. Then when you get them, just bring the bags up here and set them down. That'll be fine. Let's, let's take a minute and let's read through the entirety of this prayer that we've looked at together this morning. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we read again, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. It's, it's kind of interesting. We've got four verses here and we've spent five weeks going over these verses and trying to unpack the meaning of what it is that is involved in these prayers that we pray. Remember we mentioned very early on that there is a priority in this prayer that Jesus mentions. The focus is on God before the focus is on us. It's, it's like this prayer is represented by the rungs of a ladder. And, and the first two rungs, the top rungs, reach into heaven that the Father's name would be hallowed, that His name would be seen as holy, that His name would be honored, and then that His kingdom would come. 
And then the bottom rungs of the ladder take heaven and meet, meet on earth with them. Where, where we pray for provision. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Where we pray for pardon. Forgive us even as we forgive others. And then now we pray for protection. Lead us not into temptation. And so this ladder is connecting heaven and earth together within our lives. We begin with the contemplation of who God is and we descend from there down to a contemplation of who we are. He is high. He is holy. He is to be honored. He is the king. We are his servants. We are dependent. We are needy for him. And then there's a pattern to this prayer as well. Jesus says, when you pray, say. He doesn't give us these words just, just as a rote mantra that we're just to say these words in some way back. No, there's a pattern to our prayers. And, and Jesus tells us this is a good way for us to fashion our own prayers. Recognition of who God is, recognition of who we are. Now today we come to this final phrase, lead us not into temptation. It was the playwright Oscar Wilde who once jokingly remarked, I can resist anything except temptation. That's true for most of us. I can resist anything except temptation. We mentioned last week when we were looking at the first part of verse 4, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. We mentioned that there is a necessity of that because Christians should be in a continual state of repentance. Why? Because we as Christians continue to struggle with sin. I hope that we realize that. Or even more than realizing it, I hope that we're strong enough to admit that. That in our life, we continue to struggle with sin. And the reason that so many of us don't continue to struggle with sin is because we simply give in to the sin. And so there's a need for us to come and pray, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And then this final petition comes on the heels of that in, in this important thing that continues of our conflict with sin, that we live in this battle, that we live in this warfare. And we need forgiveness, but we need strength, and we need deliverance as well. So let's learn some lessons from this phrase this morning, lead us not into temptation. Lesson number one to learn is this, learn that we never outgrow temptation regardless of where we are in the stage of life. We never outgrow temptation. I think there is a mistaken notion that we think as we get older, we will face less temptation, but that's not true. It's not true at all. It might be that the temptations take on different faces for us as we grow older, but the fact of the matter is that temptations do not go away. That's why Jesus does not provide for us a specific time frame in which we are to pray this prayer. He simply says, when you pray, this is how you should pray. He doesn't say, when you're younger, Maybe in your teenage years you should pray this prayer because you're going to be faced with so many temptations in life. 
He doesn't say, as you, as you enter into the years of college and university, when, when the temptations often grow stronger, when we move out from under the care of the guidance of our parents, that you should pray this prayer. He doesn't say when you're in those young adult years, when you're establishing families and careers and the temptations come in these ways to pray that they wouldn't be realized. He doesn't say as you mature into stability to pray this as you face the temptation of complacency. No, throughout our entire lives, this is to be a focus of our prayers. We are to pray, lead us not into temptation. Obviously meaning that throughout life, we face these various temptations that come against us. Never, ever stop praying for the protective strength of God over your life. Never stop that. Lead us not into temptation. We never outgrow temptation. It changes faces. It changes forms. But we never outgrow temptation. Secondly, learn from this command to pray in this way that we are to pray for deliverance from sin. Remember, as I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus tells his disciples that he not only wants them to pray for forgiveness of those sins, but he wants us to pray for deliverance from sin as well. Don't simply be concerned with pardon from our sin. Don't be concerned just with justification from our sin, but be concerned with the growing in the Christian life that our lives are characterized by more and more of a dying to sin and a living to righteousness. Lead us not into temptation. We must be as concerned about being delivered out of bondage to sin as we are with being forgiven from that sin. Not just that our sin be removed from us, but that we be removed from its power within our lives as well. These two petitions are joined together. Forgive us and deliver us. Both of them joined together because as much as we need forgiveness from sin, we need to be delivered from its power and influence in our lives as well. Both of them are involved. And this is not just some sort of half-hearted prayer. You know, that, that, that we might pray, okay, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but I'm going to put myself where the temptation is. For instance, one of my greatest weaknesses in life is Krispy Kreme donuts. You thought I was going to get real personal with you, didn't you? <laughs> Sorry. I love them. I, I, I pray that when we get to heaven, there's a Krispy Kreme and a Chick-fil-A. That would be wonderful. And neither of them bring calories. That'd be great. But what would it be like? I'm going to the hospital to visit someone. Of course, as you know, you come around state of Franklin, and they're on Marcus Street. It's just one little sharp right, and then you're right there at it. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but I'm going to go the long way back to church by way of Market Street. So, Lord, you really got to make, you really got to do a good number on this because I'm going to drive right by Krispy Kreme, Lord, and this is up to you. Don't let me turn in there. Okay, Lord, you let me turn in here, but don't let me go through that drive-thru. 
or turn the light off, please. See, this is, this is how we pray this. I get a box of Krispy Kreme donuts, hot and ready now. You know you can squish three of those together and it's really just like one when they're hot. And the box is sitting in front of me and I'm looking at it, drooling down both sides of my mouth. Lord, lead me not into temptation. I open the box and I smell the sweet scent of Krispy Kreme hot donuts. Lord, lead me not into temptation. I reach and I touch just one and I feel its warmth in my fingers and I pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And then I bite down and I say, Lord, it's your fault. Isn't that the way we do this? There is a half-hearted prayer about this when we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. And we don't really mean it. We're not praying for deliverance from sin. This needs to be a reminder for us that our lives ought to be characterized by a dogged pursuit of personal holiness away from our sin and our sinful behavior. We should not be content when we find ourselves disloyal to God in any area of our lives. I'm not trying to beat us up. But I'm saying that Jesus tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Because you see, sin basically, when you just boil it right down, sin really comes down to us worshiping ourselves rather than God. Sin is a way for us to say, you know, I think I'll do it my way, God, instead of your way. And Jesus is saying it should be the desire for all of us that we pray along with Jesus, not my will, but your will be done, Father. It's not going to happen perfectly in this life, but it must be our goal. It, it's why it must be our constant prayer, not only that God will forgive us, but that he will also deliver us out of that temptation. So learn, first of all, we never out outgrow temptation. Secondly, we are to pray for deliverance from sin. Thirdly, we are to fear sin. Why else would Jesus tell us that, that we should pray that we would be delivered from it? Lead us not into temptation. Why in the world would Jesus tell us, pray that you wouldn't be there unless we should fear that sin? The desire of Jesus is that we would fear not just the consequences of sin, although he will use that in our lives, but that we would actually fear sin itself. Jesus wants us as his followers to tremble at the thought of rebelling against God. I don't know which one of the ancient theologians said this, but it's been said the true disciple of Jesus would tremble at sin even if there was no hell. I often wonder if any of us would profess faith in Christ if there wasn't a hell. I wonder if we would enjoy this life far too much than enjoying life with God to say, I don't want to live righteous and holy before him. 
So Jesus says to us, you pray earnestly. You pray earnestly, Lord, please don't lead me into temptation because the last thing I want to do is sin against you. And maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself as, as I even say that, hey, wait a minute, I thought that God doesn't tempt us. You're absolutely correct, he doesn't. Jesus' half-brother in the book of James says this, James 1, verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But let me explain this to you so you get an understanding of this. The word for tempt and the word for test in the New Testament are the exact same word. Pirosmos is the Greek word. The word itself is a neutral word. It's translated either as tempt or test based upon the context in which it's found. And what, what we find is that God's testing oftentimes goes along with Satan's tempting, but they are, they're intended for very different purposes. There's a vast difference between a test from God and a tempt from Satan in our lives. There's a difference in origin. Testing comes from God who is loving, who is kind, who is generous, who is good. Temptation comes from Satan who is evil incarnate. His intentions are always evil. There's a difference in purpose as well between the two. God's purpose in testing us is always to refine us, to get us to do the right thing, always to strengthen us and make us more like Jesus. On the other hand, the temptations from Satan, the purpose within those is to destroy us, to ruin our lives, to interfere with God's purpose in our lives, to bring mockery to God within our lives. They're, they're different in their origin. They're different in their purpose. They're also different in their ultimate goal as well. The goal of God's testing of us is that His glory might be seen in our lives. That He might show His power, His sufficiency, His strength for us. The ultimate goal for Satan in tempting us is to rob the glory of God out of our lives. So you see, the two are very different. It's very different to be tested by God and to be tempted by Satan. But here's the tricky thing about this. They very often happen at exactly the same time. For example, in the Old Testament, there was a law that came through the law of Moses. It was given to the king of the people. And the law said that the king is not to make a census of his people. But in 2 Samuel chapter 21, we read that God was upset with Israel, and so we read that God tested David to take a census. Forbidden in the law of Moses, the king is not to do this, and the goal of this law was that the king is not to trust in his military might, not to trust in how many fighting men he might have, that instead they are to always trust in God and his provision and protection and security for his people. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 21, we read that God tested David to take a census. There's another giving of the history of Israel. We find it in 1 Chronicles that parallels along with 2 Samuel 21. We read the exact same story 
But the emphasis is different because in 1 Chronicles, we read that Satan tempted David to do this very thing. God tested David in this, but Satan tempted David in this. Now, which was true? Both of them. Satan's temptation was meant for David and Israel's downfall. God's testing was meant for David and Israel's well-being and for God's glory to be seen within his people's lives. Think of Job. We're familiar with the story of Job, or at least we're partially familiar with the story of Job, who had so many things happen against him. The book of Job opens with God saying to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Seriously? God, did you, did you have to draw attention to me? Really? And Satan seeks to sift Job like wheat. But are God's purposes to harm Job or to do him good? You see, at the end of the book, Job himself comes along and he confesses after all that he has gone through, I had heard of you, Lord, but now I see you. God tested him that God's glory might be seen. And Satan took this test and he twisted it and he manipulated it like he does in order to tempt Job to fall away from God and to curse God. Well, think of Jesus himself. Several months ago, we were in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 tells us of the story of Jesus being led into the wilderness. Look at verse 1, Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? Spirit of God did. What happened while he was there? He was tempted by the devil. A test from God that Satan used as a temptation and Jesus passed with flying colors in his dependence upon God. Even the death of Jesus is very much like this. Jesus' crucifixion was at the same time a strategy of Satan and the eternal purpose of God. You see this, this test that God brings into our lives, and on the heels of that, Satan steps in to make a temptation of that within your life. And all the while, God is saying, I want you to fear sin. I want you to fear sin as much as you fear the consequences of sin. I want you to fear sin itself as much as you fear hell itself. I want you to fear sin that mars, that breaks, that breaches your relationship with the Father if you're here. So learn, first of all, we never outgrow temptation. Learn, secondly, that we are to pray for deliverance from sin. Lord, thirdly, that we are to fear sin itself. But learn fourthly as well that we must fear the devil in all of this, the, the evil one. Matthew's gospel has 
the corollary to Luke's chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaching on the Lord's Supper there. Different group of people, different context, the theme and, and the, the overall gist of everything is the same. But in Matthew chapter 6 we read this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. More literally, the evil one, evil personified. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, the Bible makes it, makes it abundantly clear that in this battle against sin, we, we, first of all, we've got to worry about our own hearts because our hearts are not inclined to the things of God. Even when we trust in Jesus, there are still habits of sin in our hearts that are hard to break, right? Yes. We've got this stuff pulling on us all of the time. This, this inward pull against the things of God and into the things of our own desire and nature. So we have to worry about our own hearts. We, we, have, to, we have to worry about the context in which we live. This, this, world, this world is not helping us live for Christ, is it? No, it's not. Is, is this world helping you live holy and godly and righteous? not the goal of this world. We find ourselves struggling within our own hearts and our own evil desires and inclinations. We find ourselves struggling with the context, the world in which we live, alluring us away from God and the things of God. And also, we've got to face the devil himself. Jesus obviously believed in the devil. He confronted him on more than one occasion. People who were possessed of demons, he believed that in this fight against sin, you have to worry about the inclinations of your own heart, the ungodly influences of the world around you, and a personal devil and his demons who want to devour you. In fact, Jesus, before he went to the cross, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying this prayer. And listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Who's he praying for? He's praying for his disciples, praying for his followers. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but instead that you keep them from the evil one. Boy, it would have been so much easier if Jesus hadn't prayed that. And when we come to follow him, we're just taken out of this world. It would have been easier for us. But Jesus says, I'd, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. I'm asking that while they are in the world, overwhelmed with their own heart, overwhelmed with the context in which we live, overwhelmed with the spiritual warfare that the enemy brings against them, I am praying that you keep them from the evil one. So we, we find all of this coming together to realize that we never outgrow temptation, that we pray for deliverance, from our sin and from that temptation, that we are to fear sin and that we are to fear the devil as well. And so let's make some application with this. Let's bring it down and try to apply this into our lives. And as we apply this, think of what you wrote on that little index card. Think of the temptation that you face or the temptations that you face. What do you do with that? How is this to be handled? First of all, 
recognizing we never outgrow temptation, pray that you would not fall susceptible to that temptation. Pray that the Father would keep you holy. As Spurgeon said, if I must be tried, Lord, deliver me from falling into evil. Father, when the trials come, when the temptations come, when the testing comes, strengthen me. Whatever circumstance of my life, whatever life stage I find myself in, whatever the temptation might be, strengthen me that I might not fall prey to it. Pray for deliverance from sin. Ask the Father to graciously set limits on our trials and testing. Pray to be delivered from that evil thing, the very thing with which you are being tempted. You write this stuff down on this card, begin to pray earnestly that God would deliver you out of this and that he would give you strength in the endurance of it when the trial comes your way. When you are tempted, is your first inclination to ask God to help you overcome that temptation. See, so often what happens in our lives is when the temptation comes, we seek a way to indulge that temptation. And so we're not praying, Lord, don't lead us into temptation. Instead, praying to our own hearts. When the temptation comes, give me a way to fulfill it. When the temptation comes, let it be the first inclination of your heart to run to God and ask Him to help you in that temptation. Sometimes that just means you've got to flee, you've got to run. Josh read it earlier from uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he says to flee, to run away from these things. Don't, don't try to stand and fight it. Get away from it. To fear sin. Ask that the Father would lead you into a greater delight of Him than the false delight of your sin. See, sin always comes to us and says, if you will just do this, you will experience satisfaction that you cannot find in God. And Jesus knows you don't fight something with nothing. So you have to fight the temptation to evil and the delight of sin with the greater, the opposite delight of God himself. So pray that God would lead you into a greater delight of him than just the false delight of your sin. And finally, fear the devil. Father, lead us not into temptation Ask the Father to deliver you from the devil's plans and snares against you. Ask him to, to give you eyes to see so that you would be on guard against them and then that you would have strength to trust the Lord's power over them and understand this is not a battle you will win without the Lord, ever. Without the Lord's strength in our lives, we will always give in to that temptation. Remember when I was growing up in the, the youth group, a rather emotional bunch of people 
in my youth group and we would have prayer time together and inevitably there would always be those who would pray about something or for something and instead of praying to the Father, they would begin to address the devil. I've always thought that was foolish in your prayers. And they would pray, Satan, we bind you in this. It's hogwash. You will not win the battle against him. You let the Lord fight that battle because you will not win it. He will take you down every time. But when the Lord fights the battle on your behalf, then you recognize victory. Then you experience hope. Let the Lord handle him because you can. I can. But we know he can. And so we read again as Josh read earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Get this, there is no temptation you will face that is not common to all of us. That's why it's silly of us not to be real with people. We think, well, nobody will understand if I tell them what I go through. Well, it's unfortunate that many people won't understand and said they'll decide to deflect criticism from themselves and they'll throw it on you and so they'll run around and tell everybody what's going on. It's a shame when that happens. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But let's take our eyes off of man and look at God. God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation... He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This is a promise from God. This is a promise from God. Maybe when you get home, you might want to take another one of these little index cards and write out this verse on it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, so that you can commit it to memory, so that when the temptation comes, you say, God, I know this temptation has come, and you're not going to, you're not going to let it be greater, you're not going to let it be beyond my ability, but Father, you've promised to give a way of escape. Show me that way of escape so that I can get out of it. See, the problem is, Let's just be real with each other. The problem is that more often than not, we don't want to find the way of escape because we want to indulge in the temptation because we believe the lie of the sin that we will find greater satisfaction in that sin than we will in God. And I'm telling you, you won't. You won't. That satisfaction is only going to be found in God only in him so when this temptation comes against you pray God show me the way of escape I can't bear this I can't bear up under it I can't fight this on my own show me the way of escape for your glory and for my glory and so we pray with Jesus lead us not into temptation Do you pray that? I mean, not just, not just as words on the page, but do you really pray that? Lord, don't, don't let me go in these paths. Don't let me step into this temptation. Father, if, if you choose to test me in this, 
Don't let Satan turn this into a temptation for my downfall. Give me strength to overcome and give me that way of escape, Father, for your glory in our lives. A desire among God's people for holiness and righteousness and purity. That's what this boils down to. Not just forgiveness from our sins, but holiness and righteousness in overcoming that sin. Is that the desire of your heart? I mean, is it really what you desire to not be mastered by sin, but to be mastered by God? Father, this day, we, we are reminded again of the purpose for which Jesus came. He he has told us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, to undo the power of the curse, to provide forgiveness from sin, and even alongside of that and with that, to not just provide forgiveness, but to provide victory and overcoming in those temptations and sins that come our way. Father, I pray for all of us as your people that it would be the cry of our heart that we not give in to temptation, but that we trust you for strength and deliverance in your power. In this battle in which we are constantly fighting with, Without your strength, we lose. And I fear that some of your people here today are are living in that defeat. They're, they're They're not living in that that victory in Jesus. They're living in the defeat of sin. And I pray, Father, that this would be the day that we run to you. Bringing all of that with us, that we run to you. We fall into your arms. For forgiveness, for deliverance, for power. That you would be honored within our lives that the Holy Christ would be seen. And through your work within us, people would be drawn to him. For we ask it in his name. Amen. I invite you to stand this morning. As we stand, we sing together. If you'd like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, to be a part of his church family, we invite you to come begin that conversation today. Let's sing together.